Welcome to Story Forward Podcast. We are your hosts. He, of course, is Christian Wynn, co-founder of Story Fort, director of Story Fort, director of Story Forward. I am Larry Rosen, just a guy who talks and sometimes writes things down. You do move some furniture for us and, you know, do a lot of, you know, a lot of moderating. I'm a host. I'm a professional host. Anyways, you are listening to uh, season 2.5 of the Story Forward podcast, season three forthcoming. We will tell you more about that later. As for now, we are very happy to be able to bring you some great content that happened at Story Forward this past March. One event called Backstage Pass traditionally happens opening night uh, in a very crowded bar where people come up and tell stories. We have a little bit more of that for this episode. Mm-hmm. This episode also, though, we have a literary music duo, a podcasting duo. Jones and Wolf, Anthony Jones and Joel Wolf, are two guys who met while they were in college. They have since scattered about the world. Uh, one lives in Oakland. And California. And yeah, Oakland, California. And... That's Anthony Jones. He is also a member. He is a fellow at the San Francisco Writers Crowd, which I was once a member of. Don't believe that. <laughs> um, and Joel Wolf lives in Sydney, Australia. The idea is Jones reads stories and he does a lot of sci-fi stories, a lot of other worldly type of stuff. And Wolf plays on a keyboard and a synth mm-hmm. some music that really brings the story to focus. It's like he is the barbecue sauce or the hot sauce. <laughs> the flavors come to the forefront. After that, we will continue our showcase of Backstage Pass, the Radio Boise edition. We have a married couple of DJs, Nicole Marie and Christian Winkle. She's an on-air DJ. He does on-air and he is like a DJ who does parties as well. Oh, I was going to say she is the music director. She is a music director, and she was a guest on season two of mm-hmm. the Work Forward podcast. They're going to tell a story basically just about how radio and music changed their lives. We have some storyscapes in there, too. Right? If you've been listening, you know what we're talking about. Travis Abels brought his gigantic paper mache <laughs> ear to Shreveport and Storyport and recorded people's impressions of the events going on around them. All right, so let's go to those. And then we'll check back in with you afterward. Let's do it. Here we go. Partner Joel Wolf. Uh, together we have an audio fiction podcast called Jones and Wolf. Uh, we're going to perform some of our stories. Um, so hope you all enjoy. We'll have some time afterward. If anyone's curious about how we put them together or our process, we can do Q and A, or folks can just come up and chat with us. We're more than happy to to talk through how we put these together, but. We're just going to go ahead and get started. Our first story is called Static. The first time I saw her was at an antique store in the Ginza district. I was looking for a television set there. I'd already been to seven or eight stores that night and hadn't had any luck. That's the way it is these days, though. Televisions are almost impossible to come by. I should know. I have ten of my own and it's taken me over six years to get them. So I wasn't really expecting anything when I walked into the antique shop. More than anything, I was just killing time before sake went on sale for half price at the bars downtown. Which is one reason why I was so surprised when I saw her. 
the other reason was that her face was on a television screen. And as far as I knew, there haven't been images on televisions for the last 15 years. There weren't any signals for TVs to receive. That's what I thought, at least. But here was this girl on an old model Panasonic just floating in the middle of the screen. There was an odd green tint to her color, and it looked like she might be underwater. I couldn't tell. Everything around her was a little blurry, and I didn't have my glasses. I squinted at her. For a moment, it seemed like she was looking back at me. How strange, I thought to myself. I heard a bell clink, and the owner of the shop came to the counter. He was a small, balding man with black spectacles and a cigarette hanging at the corner of his mouth. He had a steaming bowl of noodles in his hands. Ah, he said, the Panasonic. I looked over at him. It's a nice set. Are you a collector? I nodded. That one just came over. A man sold it to me from Thailand. Are there a lot of TVs in Thailand these days? The old man shrugged. There aren't a lot of TVs anywhere. This is the first set I've seen in a long time. No one cares about these things. Everyone has the implants. Do you? No, no, I'm too old for virtual reality. My money wouldn't take to it. I looked back at the television. The girl was waving her hand now. I smiled. It seemed like she was inviting me to come join her behind the screen. You've got to tell me, I said. How are you getting this image? I thought TV signals didn't exist anymore. They don't. Then where is this girl coming from? The old man set his bowl of noodles down on the counter, took a drag off his cigarette, and looked at me with a raised eyebrow. What girl? Her, I said, gesturing toward the screen. But by the time I turned back around and looked at the Panasonic, she was gone. She couldn't understand why I 
I rode the train back to my apartment in the Shinjuku district with the Panasonic on my lap. I decided to skip the sake. I didn't feel like drinking anymore. I wanted to get home so I could open the television monitor and see what was different about it from the others. I wanted to know where that image of a girl had come from. I hugged the TV to my chest and looked out the window at the neon lights of the city. Nico was out there, somewhere. I knew that. I tried not to think about her, but it was hard not to let my mind wander to the days before ocular implants had altered the course of our relationship. When I used to look deep inside her eyes and see only my reflection there staring back at me. A kid in a black raincoat came walking in from another train car. He was dripping wet and covered in tattoos. Most of them were crudely done and looked blurry on his skin. He paused by a guy in a suit sitting a few rows ahead of me and tapped him on the shoulder. The guy's head was tilted to the side and even though his eyes were wide open, he didn't seem to be awake. The kid waved his hand in front of the guy's face a few times and then slapped him gently on the cheek. And there was nothing, no response at all. Right, I thought to myself. Stay at work, all I could do 
sick of seeing me stumble around the office, so he sent me to an accounting firm to fix a digital vending machine in the corporate cafeteria. Once I got there, it was a pretty typical scene. Most of the employees had their heads tilted to one side and were staring vacantly into space. Occasionally, one of them burst into laughter. But other than that, everyone was silent and unaware of what was going on around them. It's like that at a lot of companies these days. Most people skip lunch and use their break to go on electric fantasy instead. I know Nico did. That was probably the ideal time for her to have one of her affairs. Of course, she never saw them as affairs. They happened in virtual reality, she said once I found out. They're not real. But I disagree. You made a decision, I told her. You chose the kind of fantasy you wanted to have. That's real. Anytime you make a decision like that, the consequences are real. We argued about it for hours. And the whole time, Nico just shook her head. Yeah. 
story um, a little bit stranger. First one was, you know, legitimately strange, but the second one is made arguably stranger. Um, it's called Kim Kardashian. Hard to say when Future Man grabbed me for the first time. Might have been last January, when I was ice fishing over by Mike Landry's late father in lost place. Or in September, when Joanne and me were going through that rough patch, and I was staying on my guard, sleeping mostly in the Kmart parking lot over by IP. Can't say for sure when or how it happened. I just know that it did. These days, when I try to explain it on Reddit or Facebook Live, folks mostly think I'm talking about aliens. But it wasn't aliens who took me. And they didn't come from outer space. Future Man was real clear about that. He told me he come from outer time. He said, oh Cornell, there's nothing different between space and time anyway. Nothing different between you and yourself in space, or you in time for that matter. You know, you might as well tell people we travel through our you to get here. In fact, that might just be the best way to think about it once you listen to what we have to say. The first and most important thing for you to know is that Kim Kardashian is a robot we sent to your time 36 years ago, programmed with a very specific purpose. I said, and billboards, unrelated. 
about her was when the power would go out, she would always say, ooh, goody. And like my first job was to go and get the votive candle holders. She could make things feel special. Hello, everyone on the other side of the city. Hi. Hey, hello. How do you do? I am doing good. <laughs> I hope you are good too. Thank you. So my secret is that I never grew up, and I'm never going to. I have a girlfriend, and my parents don't know about it. I love everybody. I'm gay. I'm really good at British accents. I'm hungry for love. I've learned one thing. Everyone has a story. Keep your back straight. Love everyone around you before they're gone. You are never too old to go do something fun. You're going through a difficult time. Know that you are strong. You can do more than you think you can. You are so loved. The place that I love. We love you, Boise. You're so beautiful. I love you so much. <laughs> All you need is love. Whoever's listening, thanks for sharing. Thank you so much. DJ Winkle is coming up next. Um, of Radio Boise fame, here is his bio. DJ Winkle is his name. 
Local Idaho made hip hop and mashups are his DJ game. You probably know him from the shows he hosts from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Sunday nights on Radio Boise. That is Crush Corner and Bangers and Mashups. Before he comes up here, you want to know what he loves, right? Well, here it is. He loves, obviously, big beats, authentic music, sending unique music through large sound systems, going to church and spending time with his wife, who you'll meet after this. I brought my own kitsch here, just hoping one day I'd make it on the, <laughs> the wall, yeah. the wall thing. I don't know. This is actually a piece made by, does anyone know the group Story Crow? Yeah. I actually will be performing at Tree Fort, and I uh, actually made one for me years ago, so I thought, thought I'd bring that in. And as you can tell, looks exactly like myself, spinning image. Uh, so into my story, and some of my had-to-be-there moments. So my first legit DJ gig was actually my 10-year high school reunion. I went to Bishop Kelly High School, UABK. Well, the only problem with that is sometimes the mentality is if you're not a lawyer, doctor, or business executive after college, which of course you must go to after BK, you're a failure. So I dealt with that personally. And uh, when my 10-year reunion was coming around, I was feeling quite like a failure. I had a mental health episode that I went through, stress-induced, uh, spent a year depressed in my parents' basement, overweight, no direction in my life, not knowing what to do. So one of the things that kind of got me out of that depression, got me to feel again, was music. That was one of the first things, when people are depressed and they're down, sometimes they can't feel anything. But music is one of those things, I think we all agree on, that can penetrate through that. So, uh, my best friend at the time saw me playing a lot of video games, as depressed people sometimes do. Call of Duty, of course, but also <laughs> DJ Hero. Does anybody know what that yeah. game is? Yeah. It's kind of like Guitar Hero, so instead of strumming like this, you actually have a pad and you're... Yeah, you tap along yeah. to beats. And he's looking at me playing this, and he's like, why don't you do this for real, like in real life? And I had one of those aha moments. So. I uh, got the courage of my therapist to help me kind of process some things to accept this gig at the Bass Center, my first gig for my 10-year high school reunion. My idea was I didn't have to actually see or interact with anybody. I'm going to be a DJ, so I'm already legit and cool, even though I'm super fat and don't have any money or a job or anything like that. So the gig went pretty well, and after that I was like, well, this is pretty awesome. So I applied for a show at Radio Boise. Initially applied for the reggae show and uh, didn't really fell through. Dr. Fresh got it. He's still doing awesome up there. But got bangers and mashups. Yeah. And uh, been doing yeah. that for about a decade. And uh, Crush Corner came along later, which is Idaho made hip hop, which is just an honor to be able to play the emerging hip hop acts that are in the great state of Idaho. So uh, my first regular gig that I ever got was at a place called Fatties. Has anyone ever been there? About oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit of a meat market, sure. Uh, but I got a Tuesday night residency there, so that means you show up every Tuesday. Not a prime time night for music. But I was given 15% of drink sales, so that was my wage, right? Sounds like a pretty good offer, right? 15% of drink sales. Well, there was one night in particular where it was very, very slow. 
And what I like to get was a big bucket of drinks, just like one of those Mondo giant six shots, last me four hours drinks. Woo! It was slow, there wasn't a lot going on, I was still not a very good DJ, didn't mix very well, didn't have the best equipment. And at the end of the night, I go up to Ben and I was like, okay, how'd we do? And he's like, I don't know how you pulled this off, but you owe me 1450. <laughs> it's not supposed to be that way. No, you're supposed to give me money. So that was a little ridiculous. Oh, there goes my paper. My wife called that. She's like, that's gonna happen again. All right. So uh, first time I had a show at Radio Boise, it was 1 to 3 a.m. Friday nights after Brett Netson who I don't know if anyone know, he's a member of High Wild and Free, also a member of Built to Spill, and that was pretty intimidating. I don't think he was too happy when I first showed up, because he liked to go all night, so he could play music on the radio as long as he wanted. And I come in and I'm just pretty much bastardizing pop music. <laughs> it's like, who is this guy? So that was a little awkward for a while, but I started to hit my stride a little bit, um, sacrificing my Friday night party scene for researching music, being mentored by other DJs, and in an apprenticeship with Sean Strobel from CP Audio, and that was just life-changing. So he taught me the ins and outs of setting up a sound system, how to roadie. Actually, roadie for Macklemore once, and he actually pushed his gear up into a stage, which was pretty impressive. But just how to set up a sound system, how sounds work. So everyone probably can relate here that a, a good mentor is key, especially getting an apprenticeship into something you're into. So he was a huge influence and how to handle the business side of gigs. So uh, I want you to raise your hands out there if you've ever been to a Pay It Brewing food truck rally that happened back in the day. I see some hands. You guys been to those? I was the resident DJ for them during that series when that was going, and man, was that fun. It was great. It was so many just independent, creative uh, cooks, and people had new ideas for restaurants that became brick and mortar down the road and we were all over the place, uh, from the dirt parking lot over off of Main, yeah, off of Fort Street or Main Street down there, uh, Meridian City Hall. We knocked out the power to like three blocks of Meridian City Hall, trying to draw too much juice. The downtowner was freezing. Downtown, out by the airport, we were all over the city bringing good food and music to the people. It was super fun. And one of my favorite ones was uh, we did Neon used to be on Hill Road, North End Organic Nursery. And uh, yeah, and Sheila, who was the uh, director of events for Payette, she said, hey man, we got way too much beer, so I need you to get on the microphone, and I need you to announce that uh, beer's now half price, half price on all beer. So I took my speakers and turned them up 75% power, turned them towards all the houses in the North End. <laughs> get on the mic a little bit, something like this. North Enders! North Enders! Heed my voice, North Enders! All beer half off at the food truck rally, North Enders! Leave your dwellings! Flee your homes and join us in celebration! And there were people literally pouring out of their houses to come to this food truck rally and drink with us. It was awesome. So meeting the owners of the food truck rallies uh, and seeing them become brick and mortar was super awesome. There's a lot of restaurants in town to start as food trucks and networking with them. One of these network opportunities landed me at Gowan Field Military Base. There were some Singapore fighter pilots who had been training flying billion dollar jets and they wanted a party for them after their, their training had finished up. So one of the people who had a food truck saw me and asked if I wanted to do it. Sure. 
she's like okay you're gonna go through a security clearance they're gonna inspect your vehicle they're gonna look at your credentials it's on a military base i'm like okay here we go so uh yeah that was an intense one um one rule though that you have at a gig and this goes for like djs to musicians thomas paul knows this manimal knows this if you see like a drum kit or you see a guitar or you see musical instruments maybe not attended or you're not allowed to play them you cannot touch <laughs> other people's gear there's been many gigs when i've had to use the restroom and come back and see some jagoff who's on my gear just picking tunes moving things around and i have to scream at him like hey do not touch my stuff so with that in mind these singapore fighter pilots they wanted k-pop music and to do karaoke and i was looking and trying they're like which one this one i just put my hands up it's like okay you guys can be trusted with billion dollar planes. I think you can handle my DJ rig. I asked them to trade if I could use their gear, but they weren't too into it. So, all right. So, um, getting the money from this gig was something else too. So, after the, the gig, actually, this there was a bar, we'll go back a little bit, there was a bar on base, it's an officer's bar. And yes, I had a couple cocktails there. And uh, when I'm leaving, they want to pack my truck full of food. So there's all these leftovers. There's like 20 plus to-go to -go containers of food. They're like, once you take this, that, I have a little white pickup truck, small little Toyota pickup truck, full of gear, full of uh, Asian food, and I'm just slightly buzzed driving off of a military base at this point. So, starting to drive around, curve around, and what do I see? Probably everyone's worst fear, but triple that on a military base. Red and blue flashing lights directly behind me. So, I think my life's over. This is not a regular DUI you would get. This is like going to the brig. This is like you're in the most trouble you could get in, in a DUI. Uh, unluckily for the person in front of me, the car swerved around me, pulled them over, and I escaped off the base. So, yeah, first, thing I, first place I went was right to Radio Boise, which is across the street, and I started loading my gear, and no less than 10 to-go containers just pile out onto the street, making a giant mess. And some, some thuggish-looking fellas surround me, and they come up to me and start ask me what I'm about and point at me and yelling at me and saying that I'm the victim in society. I am the victim. And I look at him and I said, there's no difference between the perpetrator and the victim, which I don't really know what that means. <laughs> but they didn't like that, so I escaped down to Radio Voice. We have locked doors, drop off my gear, and the show that's on right now was a show called You Know What's Metal. Yeah. And those guys happen to be cops. So I drop <laughs> off some food. Tell them what's going on upstairs, and they're like, hey man, we got your back no matter what. And that's kind of how Radio Boise has been. A family, for sure. Yeah. So, let me find where I was. I had this all organized. So, um, another rule of playing out is get your money before you leave the gig. This is very important. Uh, the next day, the Singapore government officials, they kept changing the time and location of paying me. I lived in this building too, upstairs. And we ended up on the street next to Yen Ching where they handed me hundreds of dollars, which definitely looked like a drug deal going down. 
My girlfriend at that time was mortified, but uh, hey, good music's like a drug, right, people? So uh, from there, I was able to be recruited on tour with a local super group called Camp. Uh, Olympia, Washington, there was a really wild gig we had at a place called Le Voyeur Punk Venue. It was amazing. The stage was so small there that fitting 10 of us up there, I literally had the back door open with my heels, just my toes on the back of the stage and my heels out, holding on to my DJ mixer for dear life while we played music. But that experience on being on the road was, was like nothing else. So Camp, if you're wondering, is the visionary project of Cameron Andreas, very talented musicians, many of them are in Treefort, uh, Brent Joel, Cassandra Lewis, Alex Anderson, Pops Miranda, a lot of other uh, uh, awesome rotating cast. And we were actually booked 2015 for the Tree Fork here to open for Rubble Bucket at the Shrine. Right over there. So this was by far the biggest show that I've ever been part of. Uh, I was very nervous. And right before we were ready to start sound check for the day, uh, camp was setting up. I'm plugging in my mixer, firing up the computer, and I get probably the worst screen notifica notification you could ever imagine. Windows is now updated. This will take a while. Yeah, not like one of those quick updates. This is the this will take a while update. So now Cameron is kind of like James Brown, where he expects you to be ready, and I could uh, sense and see the rage begin to fill his face when he was asking me to send sound, and I literally couldn't. So uh, one eternity later, uh, the machine came back to life, and we were able to complete the sound check. I was thinking if I needed to do that hard restart, we've all thought of when we see an updates like do not restart your computer. We wonder what happens if you actually do, but luckily did not take that risk. Um, also had the pleasure of DJing the X Games a few times in town. That was a wild experience. Um, camera crews, all kinds of equipment, huge sound systems, which is the biggest thrill out of DJing for me, and being on live TV. Uh, one of the events we, could, we uh, played a bunch of music for, it was a two-day event, and the broadcast announcer uh, he told us on day two that the athletes are going to want a lot of metal music. So like, prepare, they're going to want metal, and you guys need to make sure you bring that. Like, okay, so go home, research what acceptable metal would be you know, for a general audience. And we thought we were ready to go. Fifteen minutes before we're about to air and the competition's going to start, he comes up and he says, yo, I just talked to all the skaters, and they want 90s and 2000 hip-hop. <laughs> so, like, my whole plan of my set is now completely out the window, and I don't know if you know, or you listen to rap music in the 90s and 2000s, but it wasn't very clean. And that's going to be important for television and a general audience. So, we had to do it on the fly. So we have 15 minutes to find as much clean, good hip-hop as possible. Reading lyrics on the screens, doing uh, um, edits on our uh, DJ software. It was stressful, but awesome. Um, so I've been blessed to also have a success with my band Giggle Bomb. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of them. But we've been doing uh, wild parties, mashup parties on the Reef Patio and other venues around town for about the last eight years. Uh, yeah, so um, in conclusion, I came out of my depression uh, not knowing how to face my old classmates. I DJed my 20-year reunion recently at the Bass Center again and was voted the most fun person of my class. Which felt like a big transformation for me and being depressed in a basement for a year. So I'm very grateful uh, that I found my place in this amazing music community. Uh, music's helped me feel again when I didn't want to live. 
uh, that goosebump feeling that we can all relate with. Uh, my goal has been to share that feeling with others and that there is hope. I've been with the Idaho Suicide Prevention Hotline for the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. And I've learned, yeah. place. I've learned that holding on to hope and giving fuel to your passions does transform people. Uh, thank you all for listening to the amazing people. Thank you for participating actively in your culture community. And there's one more. Maybe the best gig that has ever happened in my life and DJ career was landing the role of husband Yay. to my incredible wife, Nicole Marie. She's going to be our next story teller, so make some noise for her, make some noise for yourself. Love and good music. Thanks, everybody. It's been requested that DJ Winkle stay up here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For the next, the next uh, storyteller, and um, DJ Winkle. Oh, it's supposed to go on the wall somewhere. Wait, is there any room on the wall? Stand. What do we have? Here? Uh, we get, I don't know. I think it's been up there since 1983, so you can't really take it down. I uh, will figure it out. Yeah. Dan will too. Okay, so thank you, Christian. Christian. DJ Winkle. Christian. There you go. All right. I know. Okay, so who's next, Larry? Okay, let's get right into it. Uh, as you may have guessed, the next uh, storyteller has a very close relationship with the last storyteller. Her name is Nicole Marie. Here's her biography. With one quick tour, Nicole Marie knew the then online only Boise Community Radio Project would someday become a great part of her life, and it has. Encouraged to volunteer, she eventually became an on-air personality, hosting her own show, The Rapture, which focuses on new releases from local and regional, acts, indie, and alternative rock, electronic and hip-hop, so basically everything. Uh, that airs Thursdays on Radio Boise from 12 to 3. Tuesdays. <laughs> Tuesdays. See? I can't write. It's true. Um, 2018, she was... Uh, named the music director of Radio Boise. So, uh, if you want things to change on Radio Boise, stick around after the show. Maybe we'll throw you a koozie and you can talk to Nicole Marie. So, let's get her up here to tell you her story and let's get some moral support. All right. I do now, I do a lot of prep, 
at least eight hours of prep. And in that prep, I spent a lot of time in our music library downloading uh, digital uh, files to play for my show. And in that way, I got to discover tons of new music and talk to musicians directly or the prom promoters or whoever might be sending me that email. So one day, uh, my supervisor came in and said, hey, do you want a title? Champion of the world. <laughs> or at least of my heart. Yeah! <laughs> Um, I also want to mention that back when I was doing the two jobs, I also had a day job, so that's three jobs, and I was volunteering at the Idaho Commission for Libraries narrating um, audiobooks. So I was kind of lost, and DJ Winkle kind of touched on this um, about depression and stuff. I was just really trying to find my place. Like, I have this college degree, what am I doing? I'm doing hair, and I'm servicing people for drinks, and what the heck am I doing? I was gonna say that's a that's something that a lot of DJs have in common at Radio Boise. Is they come with a crossroads or feeling broken or don't have direction, and the station helps them in amazing ways. Yeah, it's really nice. It's very welcoming. Uh, so I was talking to my friend Wendy, and she said, "Hey, we have a meeting coming up. Why don't you come and see if you'd like to get involved?" And I did, and it turned out I knew like half the people in the meeting. So I started volunteering and eventually submitted a show proposal and uh, got a show. And like I said, I started going into the music library and downloading stuff for my show. And I already said all that. <laughs> well, you started at a prime time slot too, which doesn't usually happen. So usually you have to work your way up. And she got put right into a prime time slot from all that music knowledge and research that you've done. Well, that's really nice that he builds me up like that, but someone actually died. Oh, oh, <laughs> Rest in peace, Brian X. Yes. Oh, there was a show called New Vegas Soup, at that, if anybody remembers, um, yeah. at that time. And anyway, so uh, DJ DCC uh, took over the afternoon slot. He trained me, and then all of a sudden, I had that spot, and I felt very honored, and still do. Um, uh, my husband made fun of me for my sticky notes. Uh, which I'm not using at all, but it kind of, uh, I want to tie into a few different things that have already been talked about, how music unites us, and uh, Radio Boise in particular has made me feel like an important part of the community, like I can make a difference in the community. It matters that um, I can message a band and say like, hey, I played your song on the radio today, and um, it's surprising. It really makes everybody's day, and so I keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also have kind of a lot of cool stories about meeting, uh, you know, famous musicians and stuff, but I really did want to tie it into um, being a part of the Radio Boise community and how um, welcoming it's been and how what a family it's become. And um, it's why I stay. Yeah, literally. <laughs> we, met, we met at the station. And uh, he, I went in to make my show promo, and he's the one who recorded it for me. Um, so I thought he was funny and cute, and here we are today. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a good ending. Is that it? I think so. Yay! Okay, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Two very different types of content I think we brought you. The straight storytelling and the fiction reading 
with a special sauce on top being <laughs> the musical bed. If you've got some thoughts about that, here's how you can share them with us. Go to our Facebook group at Story Forward Podcast. Wait till we post something on Twitter or DM us at story.forward. Or go to Instagram for the visual interpretation, story.forward. And now Christian will thank the people who made this all possible. Yes, I will. And then also Facebook. Do we mention Facebook? We're out yeah. there on Facebook. People still do Facebook. Some of us. I guess. I guess. I know. I know. Well, we'll say thanks to Mr. Jared Bostrom for helping edit this episode, as well as one of our, our new intern, Annika. I think we'll be all ready to go by the time this episode airs to help Jared out. But also Mr. Brett Battistain. Mr. Brett Battistain, who is our favorite host of uh, our favorite Basque podcast producer he is a very kind man who um, like his podcast network he runs in with a couple of other folks but he's kind of our anchor on this whole thing and he lets us um, exist on the ease dash drop.com yeah because you hear the little ease drop promo on every episode I know. I was going to try to make that sound, but I'm not. You don't. Either of us would just humiliate ourselves by trying to make that sound. There's a sound that goes like, yeah, at one point. So that's pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah, that was a good one. (laughs) But yeah, Eavesdrop. Check out their network at, like I said, ease-drop.com. And also, yeah, thanks to all our Story Forward team, and thanks to you, Mr. Rosen. Uh, I know you know you're on your way to go to a book club right now. So a book club right now. So we gotta I gotta rush out of here. Gotta rush uh, out, but that you know what the book club does is probably kind of help move the story forward a little bit. It definitely advances the narrative. 